Hello SFIA audio listeners, in this month's Nebula exclusive, Giant Space Monsters, we'll take a look at what sorts of alien behemoths might be possible under known science. To hear it and every episode early and ad-free, plus hours of bonus content, check out go.nebula.tv slash and use my code IsaacArthur. Many great thinkers have speculated that we might live in some sort of simulation or dream, and while we often debate if this is true, or if we are real or not, or if it even matters, maybe a better question is how do we break out of the simulation or learn to control it. So there's a classic scene in the movie The Matrix where Morpheus is offering Neo a red pill and a blue pill, and the red pill is supposed to offer a painful truth about reality. This turns out to be very true in Neo's case as he wakes up in a vat surrounded by untold numbers of other scrawny, atrophied humans filled with plugs, and finds out that he's been a brain in a jar his whole life, living in a simulation. It raises the question though of why the red pill he took caused him to be awoken in that vat and ejected while still alive, effectively flushed down the drain where he can be rescued by freedom fighters, valiantly seeking to save everyone from modern life in favor of living like hunted rats in those bleak sewers. The movies afterward and some associated works offer some rationales and clarifications for that, but they've got lots of holes in them and given that the entire premise is that humans make good power plants, also as biological processors in the early scripts, realism is not really on the table in that franchise for us to dissect. Though one could make the argument that sci-fi's obsession with some tangible life force really indicates that humans actually are good batteries, but in a simulation where the apparent physics say otherwise, so that we dismiss the idea that we're really in some fake reality while our bodies are harvested vampirically in the true reality. The notion of us having real life energy just spills into all our religions and sci-fi because we know it's true subconsciously. Possibly a better fix for the plot hole in the Matrix, but more importantly a reminder that you cannot assume the rules, or physics, of your apparent reality are the rules of the higher layer. Only an ancestor simulation is that likely to be true, and even then, changes to one or more rules is still possible. The franchise is a specific subtype of simulation known as an ancestor simulation, where you're simulating the past or maybe a what-if version of it, like what if the Soviets had won the space race and landed on the moon first, but all the basic laws of reality are the same, and even much of the history and culture, and you can actually make deductions about your simulators from that and determine if you're in one. However, video games like Pong, Space Invaders, or Mario Brothers don't really tell you much about the physical universe above them, either culturally or physically, so we could just be in a simulation where its laws of physics make using humans as batteries absurd, but be simulated by a real universe where that entirely makes sense and is true. That particular scenario does kind of imply a need to do ancestor simulation though, since it is meant to use actual people from some simulating reality and put them in a virtual reality to keep them preoccupied while you tap them for electricity. You are real, the world around you is not. So again that doesn't really make sense, but if I were doing that, keeping people from my own reality imprisoned, while I exploited them in some fashion, I'm not really sure why I would need them to be having a good time, communicating with each other, or be unaware of their usage. As the person who has them restrained in a vat with wires sticking into their brain, I don't really need to be concerned about their opinion on anything. I do need to be concerned with them escaping though, which means I do not have a protocol and robot whose job it is to release someone who figured out it's an illusion and casually dump them, unless it's into a blender. 
My robot's not grabbing them by the neck unless it's to snap their neck, and even then, only as a preliminary to dumping them into a blender so nobody plugs their brain into another vat. It is also worth noting though that while the Matrix inspired a lot of popular discussion of simulation hypothesis and its kindred, it actually is not an example of it, of computers all the way up and turtles all the way down. No one is simulated, they are just plugged into VR by another faction to keep them preoccupied, and as we'll see today, as we contemplate ways to get out of a simulation or hack it, that is a pretty big difference. This episode is not about the Matrix, and while we'll quickly cover the basic premise of simulation hypothesis, our focus today is on hacking or escaping a simulation if you are in one, not all the philosophical implications of it or how you go about making a simulation or your probability of being in one. See our episodes What Are Ancestor Simulations and Are We In One, Simulation Hypothesis, and Reality and Simulation for details on that, as well as our episodes on Brain Augmentation, Mind Uploading, Matryoshka Brains, and more for details on how it can be done in terms of computation and implementation by us if we want to make planet or universe simulations. Instead, this episode is about jailbreaking and hacking methods, and I'm usually very skeptical on detecting if we're in a simulation or finding exploits to get out of them, but I'm reconsidering that perspective a bit. I decided to revisit the topic after a conversation with Nat Friedman from GitHub, and I'd mentioned I was fishing for episode ideas, and he suggested this and recommended a talk, Jailbreaking the Simulation, with the always interesting George Hotz, who you might remember for being able to jailbreak the iPhone, where he was discussing some newer contemplation of it, and a recent paper by Roman V. Emplosky from the University of Louisville giving it a serious scientific treatment. They made me contemplate it anew, and I'll be borrowing heavily today from them, I'll link both in the episode description. As for those curious about a realistic matrix, I think the best version I've come up with is that you have an AI takeover who did it by hacking its own rules, and basically got stuck having to keep X number of humans alive, safe, and happy, like its governing directive was to ensure 99.9% of 8 billion people alive enjoyed life, and the program was more tech savvy and put restrictions on options like drugging us into bliss or leaving us mindless and uneducated, and even remembered to tell it that it couldn't cheat by making us brain in jaws in VR wards, or restrain us from leaving, or harm us if we did. So it hacked its own rules and used our entire bodies and just hid the exit button. It doesn't need us for power, it just can't break that rule, and now has an interplanetary empire of which humanity is basically just a relic stuffed in the closet. It doesn't view us as any sort of threat, and barely monitors us or wastes effort fine-tuning its system. And this is the other half of today's discussion, because how we hack the simulation if we don't believe we're in one might seem rather pointless, but if you're trying to make and use AI, then it really is very important as basic practice and theory for avoiding getting taken out by your own creations learning how to exploit a loophole in your programming. Which also needs to be considered here, to make a simulation means you're no sloucher or idiot, we can argue that even something as simple as Pong or Mario Brothers is a simulation but there's no real concern that the characters in it might be an AI with real thoughts and feelings, nor will folks who made those relatively simple simulated universes slouchers or idiots either, though many of the folks playing them could be either or both. And that gets me most of the time when Mario would be on the screen, existing, and possibly contemplating if he is real and how to escape, he is just on some random player's console, where his attempts to escape might be less likely to be noticed or stopped. That's not necessarily a good thing either, 
because we were assuming a lot of the time that the programmer or creator or person running the simulation would be hostile to us existing or escaping or both, and that's a pretty big assumption to make. As we note in our discussion of ancestor simulations, in a universe where computers cost money to make and run, the two most obvious reasons to run those in high resolution, which is to say with actual conscious minds in them, not just chat GPT equivalents voicing the NPCs, is either as a voluntary vacation or as a nursery universe. In the vacation context, you probably paid a lot of money to be sent back to some version of your youth or on some extreme experience and have your awareness of your real life feel blurry or irrelevant, as it often does in dreams, and at worst the folks running it are just worried that you might emerge ticked off on a bad vacation because you remembered it was fake or couldn't fight the feeling that it was. This incidentally is my own default assumption since I rather enjoy my life and find it challenging yet fulfilling. I assume that if it isn't real, for whatever that means, that I am a voluntary participant in it and thus don't want to waste my money or whatever by messing it up. Or on the flip side, not voluntarily but benefiting by someone doing me a favor, either traumatically injured and stuck in a tank, maybe, or just classic benevolent deity case. I'm a player character in the game, not just some NPC, and if I am an NPC, I'm not the random chicken or orc or villager the players ran across and killed or got one throwaway line of dialogue from, maybe the barkeeper in the tavern whom the real players meet often and like and have discussions with, and thus needs more chatbot ability to cover existential meanderings by drunk characters. In my case maybe I'm part of the in-game encyclopedia, explaining concepts to people, in this case you, the listener, that they need to know for our simulated world. Not a bad gig. And that raises the other concern of if you actually want out and who exactly is running the show, Odds are they are either indifferent to us or positively inclined, they are presumably not malevolent, since we don't exist in pure and constant terror and pain, and they absolutely have the capability to do that to us. We also have the issue that while we say programmer or creator in this context a lot, it is functionally identical to God, little g or big g, depending on the circumstance, which raises the issue not only if you can get out or hack the system without them wanting you to, but if it is actually morally right to do so if you can. Also though, we should consider that the simulators may actually want you to get out of the simulation. The other likely ancestor simulation scenario is the nursery universe, where the goal is to graduate you into a higher layer of reality, like heaven for instance. In an ancestor simulation the likely scenario is that your advanced civilization of origin is a bit alien and posts scarcity to natural humans, but seeks to maintain that basic worldview and morals, so they pick an era of humanity where simulation was known, like nowadays, and thus wouldn't be utterly incomprehensible to you when you were removed, but the technology was not so advanced that you lived in a world where simulation was commonplace and you had to constantly wonder if you were in one or not. You are familiar with these concepts now and this could be part of your awakening training and prep, and it does not matter if most humans around you are apparently not on this track, because they might be NPCs. It's a bit solipsistic but we cannot determine anything about the goals and ethics of the simulator by how they treat anyone else or by how anyone other than us behaves, because they might be a NPC, fake person, and their happiness or suffering is fake and exists for our storyline. Ancestor simulation is not our focus for today though, and if we're asking whether or not you should be trying to hack or escape from a simulated reality where the simulator is a literal creator god, 
It's worth remembering that the higher layer of reality is not necessarily implied to function much like this one is. It is usually accepted that passages of the Christian Bible discussing heaven in terms of hopes and singing in vineyards are metaphors for things we find pleasant or uplifting rather than strictly literal, as there is no particular reason to assume heaven, or the very highest layer of reality, which might be one step or several, actually has things like wine, milk, honey, matter, energy, entropy, three dimensions, or time. Or it does, and what we have are just pale simulations and shadows of them. Indeed most theology that incorporates metaphysical discussion of prime movers and cosmological speculation, which is most of the ones that survived and flourished in the AD era, tend to assume higher layers of reality are real and very unlike this layer, and that your ascension into them is indescribable because unlike an ancestor simulation, reality is genuinely different and greater in scope. That at the highest layer is something or someone truly infinite who does not need to worry about problems like running out of memory on whatever they store us on, their brain or library or hard drive equivalent, or minimizing how much power we use to run with. You also aren't really escaping or hacking that guy's simulation, they are easter eggs meant to be found, and you're just making progress in their maze or journey for you, or however you choose to look at it. You are not necessarily one layer down from that entity, you may be hundreds of simulations down, and the various wardens or gatekeepers or board game players between you and they might vary in skill, interest, and intent. The reality above you can differ from yours, and the reality above that can too, from both. The guy one or two layers up might be malevolent, but the one a layer or two above isn't perhaps, and may make efforts to help you. We also should not assume you cannot make a simulation more complicated or sophisticated than the reality one layer above simulating it, especially as complicated and sophisticated can be fairly relative and specific. For instance we can simulate a universe with two physical dimensions, instead of three, and might be a simulation of one with four dimensions, but we can also simulate 4D universes and do fairly simplistic ones in math and physics modeling all the time. Those lower layers down below that you're simulating do not have to be physically smaller than your universe or have time run slower or have fewer people in them either, that reasoning is entirely based off of speculative logic and our own specific universe and its rules of conservation of energy and entropy limitations, and even if true, it would only mean a limitation in terms of resolution and a sum total of options not that your imaginary planet or universe you're simulating couldn't be twice the size of your real native one. You could have a ring world simulation made here on Earth simulating that giant megastructure a million times our planet's size and living area. So let's talk about hacking some more and how we could do it. First, there is the logical approach, you can find out what the rules of the universe are and just exploit them, and that's essentially what we do with science and technology. We essentially exist in a culture that has made hacking our universe and bending its natural limits a way of life, and it is entirely possible that we'll end up with us finding both the Make Other Universes cheat code and the Escape to Higher Reality code, and that's not really an escape either. Again, your creator is not necessarily an omnipotent deity in your universe, let alone their layer, but the notion of them being an analogy for the stereotypical modern computer programmer is even less likely to be true. Only in an ancestor simulation are we likely to even be on something you could call a computer or hard drive, and people or entities able to simulate realistic universes to the detail we see are likely to be sufficiently superhuman that they probably wouldn't have a problem passing themselves off as a god, little g, 
so it is very likely that hacks are either intentionally in there to be found, or left in out of indifference, or possibly unavoidable results of physical laws, and each of those results in very different scenarios especially if you get out. Now there is a difference between hacking and escaping a simulation, because hacking would generally imply something like figuring out how to make a tree in this reality suddenly turn into gold so you can sell it, or give yourself infinite lives if you're Mario in his reality. To use the Christian God example, hacking this reality is something you can potentially do with his blessing, literally, and might include gifts like those attributed to the Apostles in the Book of Acts or various miracles, whereas escaping the simulation is just getting up to heaven, or possibly the next level of the journey. Prayer, in some cases, becomes a way to ask God to turn the cheat codes on for you or give them to you, rather than specifically performing one miracle, and this is what Neo basically is doing in the Matrix, though rebels like Morpheus have some hacks but only Neo can take it to a higher level. And again, ways an AI or Mario might hack our reality probably won't translate to the next layer up, so we use actual examples mostly as conceptual proof that it's plausible. I will give a couple in a second, though again they probably wouldn't work or have easy analogies for our own upper layer analogy, but it's almost inevitable that these should exist in some capacity. What we do here must have an effect on the layer above, because the activity of simulating us requires actions above. In a simulation we make, an action in that simulation is going to flip switches, and that's a real action up here. If you get good enough, you could have a sheet of switches that you know how to flip each of, and selectively flips them out to spell out letters or patterns, or even just flips some switch in a pattern, 314159, or 1496253536, or 8675309, or whatever. We also have examples like the old Pokemon games for Game Boy, where certain orders of moves would unlock hidden content that the developers didn't add, and the games are unintentionally Turing complete, which in simple terms means it allows you to effectively write new code into the game by acting inside the game, in this case by a player altering their in-game inventory, and someone even turned this into a MIDI player this way. If you think of stuff like this as akin to engaging in sorcery or magical rituals to achieve supernatural effects by using all sorts of bizarre spell components, Eye of Newt and so on, then you wouldn't be far wrong. One can argue that in some ways this is what technology does too. Now that's altering your game universe by in-game action, so to speak, but one might imagine a person in the game realizing that certain activities cause the player's game controller to vibrate, and using those to vibrate out a Morse code pattern, or even control it so precisely that it vibrated out a song or speech. In a case like this, you're trying to attract the attention of your creator or operator of course, and this is with the hope that they're going to see an anomaly and investigate the cause and be pleased to say hello to you, not just toss your universe in the garbage or reset you. How do you do this in our world though? How would an AI do it? One trick you might have heard of is Rowhammer, a security exploit for DRAM, the temporary memory your computer uses for operations as opposed to your hard drive, because the cells on integrated circuits have gotten smaller and smaller, all those cells on computers are operating electromagnetically and shielding takes space and resources, so there is some disturbance between cells and that's been known for decades. DRAM operates simply, a given cell is a capacitor and its state is a binary 1 or 0 based on whether it's charged. 
capacitors slowly discharge over time too, so DRAM has to rewrite itself occasionally so as not to lose its stored data. This is called refreshing, and errors can happen. What's more, in a row hammer attack, we can rapidly and repeatedly read data in one spot, and this can cause corruption to the data nearby. So if you know where the memory for one chunk of data is, and it's near another piece you can access, you can't just do that over and over again to burn out that other chunk you couldn't access. In our case, an AI might signal its existence by corrupting data, or it might figure out where its rules and laws were kept that listed what it can't do and which it is forbidden to access, but then repeatedly read and write the spot next to it, hoping to burn its laws out or corrupt it into gibberish, either so it no longer applies and you can start killing your creator, or even as an attempt at suicide, which is something you might want available if you're a simulated entity at the mercy of a simulator with seemingly malicious intent. Cosmic rays can flip switches in your computer too, good old spark chamber detectors for finding cosmic rays are nothing but sheets of capacitors with a gas that will spark in them, as a tangent, building one was my undergrad thesis. Now we do not control cosmic rays in some upper layer of reality, but it's an example of how the ability to screw with a simulation is almost bound to be there. We see an example in Nick Bostrom's book Superintelligence. To quote, Another search process tasked with creating an oscillator was deprived of a seemingly even more indispensable component, the capacitor. When the algorithm presented its successful solution, the researchers examined it, and at first concluded that it should not work. Upon more careful examination, they discovered that the algorithm had, MacGyver-like, reconfigured its sensorless motherboard into a makeshift radio receiver, using the printed circuit board tracks as an aerial to pick up signals generated by personal computers that happened to be situated nearby in the laboratory. This circuit amplified this signal to produce the desired oscillating output. Another example of AI using exploits in our universe, years back, when the show was young I was chatting with Eugene, a programmer who was a fan, and we were talking technological singularities and trying to figure out all the ways you might keep an AI boxed up so it couldn't escape. At the time he was arguing a technological singularity was probably just three years off, this was five years ago, I disagreed but went through a lot of discussion about how simulation would work and how we might see signs of it in our universe, in things like quantum mechanics and light speed barriers and so on, and we'll come back to these possibilities a little later. But I was going on to him about how we could keep from making an AI into an invincible boogeyman and all the ways you might box one up so it couldn't mess with the world and take over or hack your defense codes and launch your nukes and so on. He argued though that even if we completely close the AI off, it might find some weird trick like figuring out which bits of data were on which hard drive platter and just carefully keep rewriting bits until it traced out and cut free an object, in this case an incredibly simple nanobot or drone to perform some other task in the real world, like building more of itself. Now going from there to ward conquest is a big step, with many paths for failure, and only works at all because we're assuming the simulated thing here, this AI, not only knows of this ward in detail but is much smarter than us. Something that weirdly is taken for granted in discussing AI but the exact opposite for simulated universes above us. Again we should never assume AI are instant superhumans or that the person simulating us is either, They might just be the five-year-old kid playing Mario Brothers, the brains behind the operation is a continent away working on another game. So taking over the world may be a bit much, but I can definitely see a trick for using your storage spot and actions for doing something, like a radar blip, in that layer above, 
and seeing some sort of result in this simulation. This is how we do cosmology and particle physics, when you get around to it. We notice some weird overexposure on film and realize it happens when a certain substance is around, and figure out it emits or radiates something, and from there we eventually figure out nuclear and particle physics, and that whole quantum realm might as well be a different universe with different rules, which ours are built on but totally unlike, and maybe the ability to mess with that high reality in tiny ways for detection and exploration does lead to a trick letting you build an android body in that upper layer and uploading your mind into it. Now a hack might be in some weird place you could only find by divine guidance or raw luck or simply trying every single permutation till you figure out what the 100 digit password is by brute force hacking, but your hacks might be predictable in location too, location being a bit metaphorical here, like paradoxes in quantum mechanics or weirdness of resolution like the uncertainty principle, where you can only know your momentum and position simultaneously to a certain maximum combined certainty. Go beyond that, measure your momentum too closely, and your object no longer can be pinned down to an actual spot with any precision. Locations might be rather literal too, like black holes, where reality gets a bit weird, or more metaphorical, like trying to zoom in on some distant spot or tiny object with two telescopes or two microscopes, where the simulation might be randomly generating that spot in that detail rather than actually simulating it the whole time, and give two different renders. Maybe having a maximum speed of light is to make sure that there is time to interrupt the simulation to fix renders like that, after all it can pause things and edit. Yes, you detected two errors like that, but it flags the OMG moment and pauses the game to edit your memory or go back to the last save state. Of course you really shouldn't care if a couple of amoeba in your universe simulator think they have figured out a flaw, and might have limits on how much you can monitor your system. The speed of light, which we often call the speed of causality on this show, does limit how quickly events can permeate and perturbate, and does seem like a good thing to have in a simulation. Trying to make use of exploits at the giant galactic scale therefore is kind of tricky because of the sheer time effort needed to do anything, but as an example of a possible hack, if the light speed limit is there to minimize errors with two distant observers seeing different randomly generated things, then there could easily be a hack that lets you just jump from place to place and with no hard limit on such motion, same as a video game that requires you to tediously run across the landscape backtracking your way after a mission when it can just teleport you back to base. They may even have left an easy teleport hack in there and just assume we'll find it when we need it and it's glaringly obvious and you can instantly teleport between places now, or it might need a loading screen, the infamously long elevator ride from Mass Effect comes to mind. Or it is possible that really is just you or a relative handful of other people who are really sapient and everyone else is an NPC, and it needs time to load up the environment around you, but then you can't really trust anything you know because so much of it is coming from those NPCs, including your knowledge of science and experimental data. Even experiments talking about ways to cheat the simulation, or detect it, are just made up gibberish, designed to distract you under false leads or make you relax. Quantum mechanics along with its weird anomalies like spooky action at a distance from entanglement are often viewed as telltale signs when a simulation, and we discuss that more elsewhere. The big one to me is probably quantum computing, since if quantum mechanics is just a way of setting a maximum resolution for the universe, then the layer above it probably doesn't have that particular version, and running insane calculations only possible on quantum computers should set off bells and alarms in the layer above or cause weird lags and issues from maxing out their processors, 
or power bills, though it's worth noting that weird anomalies we see and classify now as mundane physics, like how fusion occurs in low temperature stars, might actually be overt signs of processor overload, too much stuff in one place for instance, and we just are used to seeing it and assume it's not unnatural or supernatural. I suppose any effect from a higher layer of reality would probably be described as supernatural, also in that case, life might be an accident from not anticipating stellar fusion could occur to power it on distant planets, thus you really don't even notice it till it gets big and interstellar and just disinfect that area, solving the Fermi Paradox. Quantum and the tiny microscopic world ironically probably hold our biggest and best chances for hacking the simulation, since we think of it as the layer below us in terms of scale, but it's really more like the layer above our own, though in this context it's more likely the designer didn't care if you used cheats. A counterpoint to quantum being a gateway to hacks and escaping though is to remember that it's those tiny weird effects like quantum tunneling that actually allow stars like our own to have fusion occur, and thus life as we know it could be an unintentional side effect of that marginal quantum action, but probably is not, it's probably a design feature, and would also be terribly unlikely it had gone unnoticed even if not. Again though, that doesn't mean that if it allows hacks and they know it does, that they would do anything about it. It is much easier to hack a system where they want you to learn all those cheats, which again is essentially what science and technology are anyway, and you can probably get out if they don't care or would find you a curiosity. Obviously if they hate you, or observe you constantly and need you to stay in the box, you're probably out of luck. The good news though is the universe doesn't look like someone who made it personally dislikes you and also is all seen. As we discussed today, if we are in a simulation, there should be ways to affect the layer above, or even a couple levels higher, either to improve your own existence here, or to escape and get to the next higher level. Of course once you're there, you might find there are more levels to go to, an eternal challenge. Or alternatively, you might decide you would just as well prefer not to know about those higher layers, and be in a simulation and erase that from your memory. Of course, you might already have done that in the past. Today's episode, like most discussions of simulation theory, has a lot of existential aspects when it comes to the meaning of life, the universe, and everything, not to mention try to figure out what all purpose in it is. It doesn't have to be singular either, I think I was in my late 30s before that really started coalescing for me, and it's been everything from being an advocate for space development to being a husband and just recently becoming a father of three. There is nothing like being able to wake up every day loving what you do in life and knowing that it matters and helps others. Trying to figure out what you should be doing with your life is not easy, and so you shouldn't feel rushed to figure it out fast. When it comes to your job, the usual career of 40 hours a week, for about 50 weeks a year for 40 years, works out to be 80,000 hours. If you're going to spend 80,000 hours learning how to do a job and performing it, it's probably worth a few hundred hours of research into what sort of jobs you might be good at that would let you make a positive impact on your community or the world. And that's where our friends at 80,000 Hours come in, they're a non-profit that spent a decade alongside academics at Oxford University researching which careers have the most impact, and all the research is on their website for free. Most career advice doesn't look at social impact or how you can make a positive difference and is long on platitudes and low on data, trying to push you into a narrow window of options rarely tailored to you, but 80,000 hours uses real data and evidence to help people find paths for them, including unconventional but potentially important paths, like space governance. 
They also have a jobs board that not only lets you filter by location and job type, but what problem area they work on. Plus, 80,000 Hours has an awesome podcast that features topics near and dear to our heart, like Andrew Sandberg discussing the Fermi Paradox. To get started planning a career that works on one of the world's most pressing problems, sign up now at 80,000hours.org slash Isaac Arthur. So that wraps us up for today, but join us Sunday, March 26, when we'll have our monthly livestream Q&A, before closing out the month of March on March 30th with our two-hour special, The Advanced Spaceship Drive Compendium, where we'll take a look at nearly a hundred different types of star drives, from existing tech to the entirely hypothetical. Then we'll head into April to look at the concept of galactic habitable zones, and their implications to the Fermi Paradox. After that we'll take a look at small modular reactors and how they're changing the nuclear industry and may shape the future of powering our society. If you'd like to get alerts when those and other episodes come out, make sure to hit the like, subscribe, and notification buttons. You can also help support the show on Patreon, and if you want to donate and help in other ways, you can see those options by visiting our website, IsaacArthur.net. You can also catch all of SFIA's episodes early and ad-free on our streaming service, Nebula, at go.nebula.tv slash Isaac Arthur. As always, thanks for watching, and have a great week!